This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome inside Madame Athletic Center, formerly known as Maple Leaf Gardens, where over 80 players from across North America will be skating during this beautiful tournament, the 2018 Canadian National Blind Hockey Tournament, that is. We'll be bringing you extensive coverage all day today, right till 7 p.m., and we'll have coverage of the live games, analysis, and interviews from organizers. But without further ado, let me welcome in all of the panelists today. We'll have Dave Dave Squared, I guess. Dave Squared are on the, the show today. We'll have Cam, Brett, and Brock. How are you guys doing today? Very well, thank you. Pretty good. Awesome. I, I guess, Dave, we should uh, should we make a distinction between you and myself as uh, Dave one and Square well, Root Dave or whatever? You know? Well, there's last names too, Dave. Uh, that's right? true too. I, I, yeah. I know that's uh, that's never been used before, <laughs> but uh, we we could go with something like that. But uh, nonetheless, great to have you uh, part of our Saturday coverage. Uh, and uh, if anything today is like day number one, which I'm sure you've heard the stories about. You are in for a treat, my friend. I'm looking forward to it, and it couldn't happen at a better place like the old Maple Leaf Gardens. Absolutely. And the first game yesterday saw uh, Team Black squeeze out, or a Team Yellow squeeze out a win, 3-2 in overtime uh, over Black, actually. Um, guys, what a way to open the, the first game of this whole tournament. It was a pretty incredible game to watch. Very fast-paced, obviously went to overtime. I want to go down right down. Uh, we'll start with you, Brock, I guess. Get your opinion and your thoughts on that very first game to kick off this whole tournament. You really couldn't ask for a better start. I mean, I was honestly sitting up here thinking, I'd like to see this thing go into a shootout. Uh, it was it was a really good game. I was glued to it the whole time, and... Uh, Looking forward to it again today to see that happen again. Brett? And for anybody that hasn't seen uh, blind hockey before, such as myself, it was an absolute eye-opener. Such a treat to watch. Fast-paced. Just uh, the the uh, the poise and the athleticism of all the athletes. Just incredible. Absolutely. Cam, what did you think? Um Team Yellow, they did a fantastic job yesterday. Um, something that I found out, I'm not sure if it was you that said it, uh, Jeff, but Kelly Serbu, he's from Cole Harbor. Yeah. So they've got a couple of other uh, well-known uh, <laughs> hockey players out of there, McKinnon and uh, Crosby. So I'm looking forward to seeing Kelly Serbu and uh, Joey Cabral doing some great goaltending again today. Yeah, absolutely. He was stellar in net, and Kelly Serbu, obviously the MVP of last year's tournament, came out with a phenomenal performance as well. And then in the second game, uh, saw the gold team double up Team Red. What an outstanding performance by Team Gold. I mean, they were just flying out there again. Uh, Dave, Bastel, I guess I want to get your opinion on that game because uh, that was a, another tremendous game to start the, uh, the tournament. Yeah, it certainly was. And, and it's funny because we, we see the first game out. We're impressed by it goes to overtime and so forth and then you think okay what does the second game have to offer is it going to live up to the same expectations but some would say it even exceeded it in, in a sense just because it, i think it was maybe a little more uh, fast pace uh there's some great goaltending too throughout the both games which is something that really caught my eye uh, last year we saw some games that hit seven eight goal mark yesterday the two teams didn't even combine for that. So uh, I'm impressed with that. I want to see what these two teams do right off the top because right up, right away off the top at 9 o'clock, we have two teams in search of their first win of this tournament. And if they're going to do anything in this tournament, they have to make their mark in this 9 o'clock game. As exciting as the 10-15 game is between two undefeated teams, that 9 o'clock game is critical. You don't want to go 0-2 to start yeah. a tournament in the first two games. Absolutely. And another player I sort of want to 
point out here is who I've been sort of dubbing the MVP of this tournament is Jason Yuha. <laughs> and, dubbing? Uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. You came right out and said he's going to be the MVP. I think you're right, Brock. <laughs> I, I think I, I think uh, Jeff may have put his uh, his name on the trophy already. Yeah. So <laughs> it's basically get, it's in, it's getting engraved as we speak. Actually, I think this is already over. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was I was only one game, so I, I mean. Uh, watching him play in that caliber of play, just uh, having uh, last year we only had two open teams uh, in in the open division, and this year there's four. Yeah, and I think that really speaks volumes to the fact that the skill level of all these players have have really risen. And I was talking yesterday, even off air, that I, I I've seen a, a big improvement since last year, and that goes to show uh, a lot in the development of this game. And last year it was fast-paced, and then this year the first game I was like, "Holy smokes!" Yeah, like everybody's coming out flying. Like it. it well, it, you, well, you look at the rosters, Jeff, and 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 right now I I totally agree with what you're saying about Jason, but you can look down the rosters and say there's at least one or two players that are going to get some serious consideration if their team or uh, yeah. wins this whole thing. So, uh, you know, I, I really like it. I, I stress the goaltending as well, just just because if, if a goaltender goes in there and gives up one or two goals it, per game, that is that is already receiving some uh, some nominations as far as I'm concerned, Dave. And and, and when you when you look at today's game, too, uh, in this opening game, you'll see two teams that uh, that obviously have to get that first win and two teams that are kind of making their mark in this tournament. Well, it's certainly interesting matchups here. And, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing the competition level here. I've so, heard so much about the about this tournament and about the progress, like you guys were saying, from, you know, year over year. Uh, probably we could see the progress from game to game as well with each of these teams. And, and I think I think that sort of speaks volumes also to the fact that uh, they'll have a, their first ever international blind hockey series, Canada versus the U.S., coming up in October, October 5th to 7th. That'll be in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And uh, they're actually going to be naming the Team Canada roster on Sunday, like we've been mentioning on our broadcast. So I think a lot of these players are uh, sort of auditioning for a spot if they haven't locked those spots up already. And you're really seeing it. And it, it, it's been incredible to watch. Um, but you know what? Like... I just feel that, like I said, the skill level is just outstanding. I feel like it'd be such a hard thing to put together a roster because last year we didn't have certain players here, like Jason Yuha. This is his second blind hockey tournament that he's been ever he's ever played in. So, I mean, I feel like just over from just one year ago, it's really made that much of a difference, and it's incredible to see. But right now, let's uh, actually let's take a look at what happened in sports uh, yesterday. And we'll recap the event of the 2018 Na Canadian National Blind Hockey Tournament, which saw the first game of the evening. Open Division saw Team Black squeeze out the 3-2 over overtime win over Team Yellow. And the following game, also in the Open Division, Team Gold doubled up Team Red 4-2. And the final game of the night came in the Low Division and Development Division, uh, which saw Team Black blank, Team Yellow 4 to nothing. We'll have all of the programming, all of the games at this event throughout the day. Make sure you tune into AMI-audio for all of the coverage. And uh, 
everything beginning at 9 9 a.m. today with the Open Division uh, taking place. Last night, former AL MVP Josh Donaldson got his first taste of playing DH. He went 0 for 4 with three strikeouts in Toronto's 4-2 loss over the Yankees at the Rogers Centre. General Manager Ross Atkins said before the game that Donaldson would play DH until his, uh, quote, dead arm phase subsides. The all-star third baseman was affected by his weak throws across the diamond in the season opener on Thursday. The Toronto Maple Leafs have secured no worse than third in the Atlantic Division after winning in New York. Austin Matthews provided the tie-breaking goal with with 3.58 remaining as Toronto beat the Islanders 5-4. James Van Riemsdyk scored his team, leading 36th goal for the Leafs. Mitch Marner stayed hot with a goal and an assist. And the final playoff spot in the Western Conference might come down to the wire. Ricard Raquel scored with 19 seconds remaining in overtime. And then Anaheim Ducks defeated the LA Kings 2-1. Los Angeles is one point ahead of Anaheim for third in the Pacific. The Ducks one point up on St. Louis for first wild card spot. The absence of Joel Embiid did nothing to slow down the Philadelphia 76ers. Ben Simmons had a triple-double throughout three quarters, and the Sixers won their ninth in a row by downing the Hawks 101-91 in Atlanta. Simmons delivered 13 points, 12 rebounds, and 11 assists for his fifth triple-double in his last 11 games. Pretty good rookie season he's having out there in Philadelphia. Tyron Liu is a step closer to rejoining the Cavaliers bench. The Cleveland Cavaliers coach attended last night's uh, victory against the New Orleans uh, Pelicans as an observer as he remains on medical leave. Liu, he experienced chest pains and other troubling symptoms with the 40-year-old announcing he was stepping away from the team on March 19th to address his health issues. And in that game was a record-breaking performance by LeBron James. He scored in double-digit figures for the 867th career game, uh, breaking the record he shared with Michael Jordan and the Cleveland Cavaliers rallied past the New Orleans Hornets 107-102. James finished with 27 points, 11 assists, and 9 rebounds, adding another stellar performance to his MVP-worthy 15th NBA season. Three-time CFL All-Star defensive end and 2009 Most Outstanding Defensive Player John Chick has retired. The Edmonton Eskimos announced that yesterday. Chick spent second half of last season with the Eskimos after the team acquired him. From the Hamilton Tigercats, Chick spent most of his CFL career with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, where he starred for more than six seasons. The 35-year-old Chick spent three seasons south of the border in the NFL, playing for the Colts and the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Utah State product will end his CFL career with 240 tackles, 72 sacks, in 125 career games. And finally, the International Olympic Committee President Thomas Bach met with Kim Jong-un in the Paralympics on Friday, or at Pyeongchang on Friday. He says the North Korean leader is committed to having his country participate in the 2020 Tokyo Summer Olympics and the Beijing Winter Games in 2022. He called the talks productive and said Kim expressed his appreciation for the IOC's role in helping North Korea compete in the Pyeongchang Games in South Korea last month. And that was uh, your update courtesy of the Canadian press. And guys, I want to get your thoughts on this Blue Jays team. Josh Donaldson going to be DHing until his, quote, dead arm phase uh, subsides. So I want to get your guys' opinion. What do you guys think about this? Do you think... uh, 
I, I mean, personally, I never heard anything about this shoulder injury or issue with Josh Donaldson. So this kind of comes puzzling to me. Sure. I, I was just going to say, I don't I don't even know what dead arm meant. Like, we had to Google it on the panel yesterday because I, I personally had never even heard of it, let alone know that Donaldson had that issue. So that surprised me. And and you know what, Brock, further to your point, yeah, uh, nothing nothing was even brought up during spring training. He looked relatively healthy. He had the calf injury to start. Once again, that's the second consecutive year that Donaldson's had that type of injury. But then all of a sudden you're talking about the arm. Now he says it won't affect his hitting, which is key. But uh, you know what, show me then, because he hasn't had a very good start in these first two games. And I'm not putting all the blame on him in particular, but you face the Yankees that are a very good power hitting team. Uh, we in the pitching staff but have only managed seven hits through two games against that type of pitching uh the opening day starter for the yankees fantastic yesterday okay uh, mashahiro tanaka a, a decent pitcher but seven hits through two games guys I, I mean i mean cam it's uh it's not the start you want especially playing in your own stadium and and with all the optimism or at least some of the hope of blue jay fans thinking is this a wild card team or not Oh, I know, and when you have Sanchez on the mound, and that's supposed to be your best pitcher, and he pitched pretty well, all things considered, but didn't get the job done at the end of the day. So, and I believe he gave up four runs yesterday. So, um, you know, the pitching, it's supposed to be what's going to be good about the Jays this year, but like you said, seven hits through a couple of games, that's not acceptable. I think another thing you have to take into account is they're playing the New York Yankees in that very first game. Stan hit two monster bombs. I mean, um, would you guys... First inning, let alone. And the first, the very first, I don't know if it was the first pitch that he saw, but it was definitely his first at-bat as a Yankee. Yeah. This guy went yard, and then obviously in the last time uh, he went to the plate, he uh, went yard again, and that was basically a dead center home run. I think it hit one like 430 yards, or feet rather, which is pretty incredible. The guy's a monster and having Judge and Stanton in the same lineup is pretty scary. These guys both hit well over 100 home runs combined last year. Obviously uh, in the... Um, in the, in the home run derby. Yes. They were pretty outstanding as well. Well, you, you know, not only are they giants as far as home run hitters, they're giants just as men. It, it's, it's, fu it's funny when you, see, when you see them when you see them lined up. Giancarlo Stanton's about six six, and and when he sits beside or stands beside Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge towers over him like he's a like he's a boy. So it, it's hilarious seeing that they they hit right in the in middle of the order of the Yankees. This will be something the Yankees are going to do all season to all different type of pitches. But what I want to see from the Blue Jays in these next two games because there is a Saturday and Sunday game. CC Sabathia pitches this afternoon for the Yankees. This is somebody the Jays should hit. This isn't the CC Sabathia we saw five, six, seven years ago when he was throwing mid to late 90s. This is a controlled, uh, grinding type pitcher that may hit 90 on the gun occasionally. So uh, let's see what this offense does against him this afternoon and get back in this series and at least take one of these first three games. Yeah, absolutely. And we're actually joined right now by a giant himself, Matt Morrow, <laughs> executive director of the Canadian National uh, Blind Hockey Tournament. Uh, how are you, Matt? I'm doing excellent. How are you guys? Good, good. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on yesterday. I mean, uh, obviously, I mean, personally, coming in, uh, watching last year's tournament was pretty incredible, pretty fast-paced. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on the improvement and the progression of this year's tournament. Yeah, I mean, um, the sport has grown every single year that we've done, you know, multiple events. And, of course, this is the big one. This is the National Blind Hockey Tournament where everybody everybody in the community comes to this event and really wants to showcase their skills. I think the the most fantastic thing this year is that 
if you remember last year's format, we had three divisions. So yeah. we had a low vision development division with two teams, an open division with two teams, and then a select series with two teams. And that was great for the progression of the sport. Um, the select division showed that we can put a point system in place and, um, and, and really create a true um, elite para sport that could potentially be uh, competed in an international competition. Uh, but the, the thing that it kind of took away was, you know, we, we didn't have a four-team tournament. We didn't have a bronze, a silver, and a gold. And so this year we thought, you know, let's bring a little bit of excitement back and let's tweak the format a little. And we try to tweak it every year for uh, maximum enjoyment from our athletes. And so having the four-team this year, I think, is really just making this tournament extra special. And the thing I like about the Open Division with the four teams is uh, the two games we saw yesterday between the four teams, it was really competitive. It's not like you're sitting there going, oh, uh, team XYZ does not have a prayer in this tournament after game number one because of this reason, this reason, this reason. The four teams are well spread out. I, I, are we going to see an instant, Matt, where, where one of these years – this tournament's going to grow into five or six teams as well because it almost seems like you guys are arching in that direction. And you know the players out there talk to their friends, and hockey attracts hockey. Uh, are, I don't want to forecast too far in the future, but is that something that maybe as an organizer, as a guy that's putting this together, as a guy that has seen this right from the nurturing part of it to today, that you could see this uh, in the near future? Yeah, absolutely. Um you know, you speak to the growth. The funny thing is I was looking at all our programs, and I've, I've got a complete set in my laptop bag from every year we ever did this, and I thought, man, it was way easier on all of all of our, my volunteers the first year because we had, like, you know, two hours of ice on Friday, four hours of ice spread out across the day on Saturday, and two hours of ice on Sunday. Everybody could sleep in every day. It was... Uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun, but this is even more fun because we have the ice booked pretty much the entire weekend to accommodate everybody. We actually do have eight teams here, if you think about it, because yeah. we've got the four in the open, no, that's the two true. in the low vision development, and then we have the two youth teams. Um, so we hit 100 players this year for the first time ever, which uh, is pretty remarkable if you think about the fact that in 2013 when we started this thing, we had 45 players, and we had to beg people to come. Uh, we decided we were going to do the first ever four-team tournament, and I needed a minimum of 10 skaters on each team, really. I mean, it's, it's hard to have a hockey tournament otherwise. And I think, you know, the week of the tournament, we still didn't have the 44 skaters we needed, uh, or the, sorry, the 40 skaters we needed plus the four goalies. Um, the, the remarkable thing here is that not only did we hit 100, but this isn't even half of the blind hockey community who showed up this year. Right. You know, we used, we used to have 100% of the blind hockey community. We have very few Americans this year. We only have four. And part of the reason for that is that next weekend is the USA Hockey Disabled Hockey Festival in Chicago. So we told all the American players, uh, if you'd like to come to the Canadian Nationals, you also have to go to the U.S. Nationals. So I was working with USA Hockey on that because we're really trying to grow the sport down there. So most of them chose to just go to the USA Hockey Nationals. Uh, but there are four that came up to participate in this event as well. So, um, you know, long story short, if we did have the entire blind hockey community here, we might be at a six-team open right. series. That'd be incredible to see. Uh, I want to go back to that uh, sort of competition, Team Canada versus the Team USA. Team Canada set to be announced on Sunday. Uh, I want to. I don't want to ask you, obviously, the team, but I want to ask you sort of what goes into uh, selecting a team like that. Sure, and uh, <clears throat> so as I mentioned, we're not using it this weekend. This is a, you know, as competitive as it is, it's still a recreational sport tournament. Um, but we created a point system, which we used the last two years in our select division to ensure that 
While athletes may have different levels of vision, overall the team should have the same level of vision. So it's very similar to what they do in wheelchair rugby. Um, so blind athletes are classified by the International Blind Sports Federation as either a B3, which is approximately 10% vision or less, a B2, which is 5% vision or less, and a B1, which is completely blind. Um, so for the purposes of the team right now, the way the point system works is you can have a maximum 14 points on the ice at any given time which means you can have three B3s, but you must have two B2s. And the B3s wear black helmets, mm -hmm. B2s wear white helmets, and then your goalie must be, by rule, a B1, completely blind. So uh, when myself and uh, our management team are, are selecting the team um, later this evening and, and tomorrow afternoon, uh, we will be looking to select approximately seven B3s, uh, or no, sorry, we're going to carry an extra. So eight B3s, uh, six B2s, and then three B1 goalies. The selection itself, I, I don't want to get too far into your playbook, but do you have a rough idea of who you like? Are there still spots remaining in this tournament where you where you want to be impressed today? Is there is there is there uh, is the roster still incomplete in your opinion? Oh, 100%. 100%. I haven't even got the... Uh, management team together yet. Um, I'm sure everybody, you know, I, I think some of your top scoring B3s uh, that have done it year in, year out are pretty obvious, you sure. know, locks for the team. Um, but, you know, even there are some very, very strong B3 players that um, different different managers may have different opinions on, just like any other form of hockey. Yep. And uh, frankly, you know, it may come down to a coach's decision as to, you know, which one comes, which one goes. Um, you know, who performs here this weekend? Um, the other the other one is goaltending. I mean, goaltending is wide open at the moment. Um, you know, Lauren Weber had a fantastic day yesterday. I thought Joey Cabral had a great day yesterday. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got our goaltending coach, Joey Ali from Pro Ali Goalie. So he's, he's a head coach of one of the teams, but he's also um, – probably the most experienced he, he is a professional goaltending coach and he also works with gary steves out of the vancouver eclipse so he he probably has the most experience as a goaltending coach working with an athlete who's blind so he's helping us uh, evaluate there so um yeah lots lots of spots up for grabs so that that tournament between team canada and team usa is going to be going october 5th to 7th in pittsburgh uh what are the logistics of that tournament have you gotten that far yet as to the tournament style is it going to be just a one and done type thing or is it going to be a whole weekend of of, of multiple games so it's it's going to be embedded into the fifth annual usa hockey blind ice hockey uh summit so when we did our first event in 2013 we had our very first american player come up kevin shanley and kevin was blown away he had a great experience he really wanted to help us um, in the mission to bring blind hockey to america and so, actually, he, he's been, you know, working on blind hockey for the last five years. He is now on the board of USA Hockey Disabled Section as the blind ice hockey representative. And our first step when we decided to bring the sport to the States was to host an event, you know, not as big as what we were doing at the Canadian Nationals, uh, but we thought, let's just host an event and see if we can get some blind hockey players out. So um, we, we founded the USA Hockey Summit, which happens in the fall each year, always in October. The first two years were in Newburgh, New York, then uh, Chicago, Illinois. Last year was in Pittsburgh, and this year is going to be in Pittsburgh again for the fifth annual. So we'll have most of the American blind hockey community will be coming for the weekend, and the ice will be booked all weekend, and we'll have kids division, intermediate division, uh, probably some advanced division games. And then throughout that weekend, on each day, uh, Canada, USA will go for a best-of-three series. 
Fantastic. Hey, let's let's uh, rewind a little bit there. Uh, I, I was impressed uh, with the children and youth division that you had as a, a little bit of an exhibition summit before the, the start of the tournament. Uh, they're going to be playing as well on Sunday morning at 8 o'clock, which is fantastic. Whose idea was that? Uh, and I'd love to compliment the person that thought of that, just considering that uh, there is there is a need to see what the future looks like in, in this uh, particular sport, no matter where it is across the country uh, and, and what sort of, uh, I guess, uh, involvement and what kind of, um, I guess, comprehension did you receive from people saying, you know what, I want to send my boy, I want to send my girl to this. This seems like a really good idea. Yeah, actually, one one quick change. We had a schedule change. Okay. And the children and youth division is not starting at 8. We're getting our volunteers and coaches one extra hour of sleep. So the children <laughs> and youth division has been moved to the end of the day. Okay. And it will actually take place after the gold medal game, before the awards ceremony, and it's going to be carried on AMI audio. So Fantastic. Uh, we're going to be, yesterday was, as you said, more of an exhibition. It's the first time we did it. Weren't sure what we were going to have. You know, most of our youth jerseys don't actually have numbers. Um, so, you know, we, we had a conversation during our broadcast, our web broadcast of it. Um, but we're actually going to put some numbers on the kids today and uh, get Nico to try to call some play-by-play. -play. <laughs> as, for, as for whose idea it was, it wasn't really anybody's idea in that, you know, the, the purpose of the organization has always been to make hockey accessible for all Canadians who are blind or partially sighted. And so because adult teams were pre-existing, um, we... You know, we, we started with adult tournaments. Um, Canadian Blind Hockey has always done learn to skate and try blind hockey sessions for kids who are blind or partially sighted all across the country. We run about, depending on the year, 20 to 30 of those field trips coast to coast, from Victoria all the way to Newfoundland. And, uh, and that, that harkens back to the day when Canadian Blind Hockey used to be called Courage Canada, founded by Mark DeBonis. So really, I mean, if you want to go way, way back, I mean, it was Mark's idea to found Courage Canada so that kids could play blind ice hockey. Um, it just took us, you know eight years to get here because um, we, we did all the try-it sessions and, th and that's been fantastic and we've had we've had well over a thousand kids who are blind or partially sighted coast to coast take part in our learn to skate try blind hockey program so we've been spreading the word about youth hockey for years and years and years um, and the, the, the neat thing that really took it to the next level is um, we got a grant this year it was just kind of one of those Grants that popped up, and it was a Canada 150 grant through the Government of Canada and the McConnell Foundation for Social Research and Development. Um, and we said, hey, we would like to do a project where we see if we can start a youth blind hockey program. Is there interest? Are we going to get the kids out? And so um, Luca DeMontis, who is uh, our GTA program manager and uh, you know, a big part of this weekend, always has been, uh, and Paul Cairns, who's been the head coach, and, and Luke as well. Myself, Paul, and Luca have coached our summer camp for the last five years, which is a youth camp as well. So, um, you know, they were the logical fits to, to, to hire to run the program for us for the last 11 weeks. And we really didn't know what we were going to get. And uh, we had over 20 kids just here in the GTA participating in youth hockey every Sunday. And it became this really tight-knit, really cool community. All the parents became friends with each other. We got kids that drive in as far away as Barrie, as wow. far away as London, Ontario, yeah. every week to be in this program. Um, because, you know, it is so unique. And once we had that base, and I thought, you know, we can get some, some kids out because we have a local kids program. Well, then, you know, James Ruddle, who's playing in the Open Division, both of his children have the same eye condition that he does. Yeah. They're both here competing in the youth division, Curtis and Cassandra. Um, 
We've got uh, Alec Angus, who's in the Open Division, his little sister, Mary Ellen. Uh, she's competing in the uh, in the youth division, so it, it, it kind of is a family affair in a lot of ways, and it's, it's this really cool, tight-knit blind hockey community. And I, I think that's the best part about hockey is uh, how tight-knit the community is, and going to events like this, I mean, I've been talking about it the whole broadcast, basically, about how awesome tournaments were. Um, have you gotten a chance to talk to any families and received any feedback yet from anybody about this whole tournament? Because I, I, I get the sense from a lot of players that this is one of their favorite tournaments to come to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they all love all the tournaments, but, you know, the Mattamy Athletic Center, Ryerson's facility, it, it takes any hockey you do to the next level. Yeah. Um, you walk in here and you got the historic roof that is still there unchanged from when it was Maple Leaf Gardens. And it's just, it's so accessible, it's world-class, and it's little things, you know, like, if you guys look down there, you'll see that the doors are open, and the bench is at ice level. There's yeah. no step at all. And, I mean, just little little details like that that make this a, a really accessible, world-class facility, um, it, it's, it's remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, Matt, I understand that you have to uh, take off, so we appreciate the time, thanks, and Matt. I guess we'll uh, talk to you uh, sometime soon. Hey, thanks so much for pro promoting the event, guys, and uh, good luck with your broadcast. Thank you very much. That was Matt Morrow, executive director of the uh, the whole tournament here at uh, Mattamy Athletic Center, uh, formerly known as Maple Leaf Gardens, where there's so much history. It's funny because we, uh, I was telling Mike Ross as we were leaving the building yesterday, um, I could spend hours just walking around this whole facility. I mean, the whole place is extremely accessible. Yep. Uh, but just the history that you see literally on the walls of this whole stadium is incredible for the whole building i mean you can just walk down a hall and there's posters everywhere that this has some little form of history uh, and there's literally a history on the walls i mean if you go down to the third floor i don't know if you've gotten a chance to take a look I have, the floor yes. below us yep. um, there's actually seats from the reds uh, that are still on the wall uh, and that's just outside their uh, gym facility here so uh, it's pretty incredible to see and you step into a building like this. I mean, even if you're a Leafs fan or not coming across the country, I mean, a lot of, I remember last year I was talking to a couple people from Montreal, like, oh, I hate the Toronto Maple Leafs. But the thing is, when you step into a building like this with so much history, um, I don't know, it, it just has a different feel. Yeah, uh, it, it, and, that's, and that's a really good way of putting it. You know, I, I've, I've lived in Toronto for about 10 years now, so uh, I'm, I never got the chance to see the Toronto Maple Leafs in this building, but I know this building because this building was my Saturday night. When the Maple Leafs were playing the Canadians, the Canucks, the Jets, whatever Canadians, because usually they matched up well against a Canadian yeah. team, and those are the games that I watch. And this is this is why that you know, if you're if you're basically over the age of 20, you you know exactly what this building means. And and if you're under the age of 20, you're learning about it fast, just because of it is uh, one of the cathedrals of Canadian hockey itself. So, um, and and further to your point too. If people are listening to this broadcast, this is this is a free admission sport. Come down, check it out, enjoy the hockey, enjoy the building, uh, the area around it. There's lots to do. This will be a very busy Saturday afternoon in Toronto. Make us part of your afternoon as well. You are more than yeah. welcome to join us. Absolutely. I know my family's coming down on Sunday to watch a couple of the championship games. Uh, it'll be sure absolutely fun to watch. 
Uh, obviously, last year, the championships just featured the uh, two select teams. But now in the open division, there are four teams, so it makes competition that much stiffer. And uh, we're just about ready for puck drop here uh, with Team Black and Team Yellow. Uh, again, Kelly Serubu on Team Yellow is one of the players to watch who I've been... Uh, my, my eyes have been glued to him the whole tournament. Uh, especially because of after what he did last year as he uh, was MVP of this entire tournament. Uh, we're just about ready for puck drop. So right now, actually, I want to hand it back over to play-by-play uh, -play and color analysts uh, Nico Cardarelli and Mike Ross. Here's the play-by-play. Uh, -play. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Shaun of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts. Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. 